Well, good morning, everyone. I did think that uh, there's there's parts of this morning that must feel awkward to uh, to all of us. Uh, we've never done church like this before, and so uh, I just say let's embrace the awkwardness. Um, you know, we're in a relatively empty auditorium here, and uh, and that's okay. Uh, we're going to do what we always do. We're going to get into God's Word, and we're going to invite Him to speak to us. So, uh, you know, it's funny. I thought about that song we were just singing, the beautiful name of Jesus, and then we're singing it while scattered in a global pandemic. And I thought, you know, in some ways that really attaches us to the, the long story of the church. The church has had all kinds of experiences and challenges, times when they have been scattered for a lot of reasons, and yet uh, that consistent theme again and again and again, they were singing, shouting, proclaiming, praising the name of Jesus, regardless of circumstance, whether those were great or not. We are in an amazingly historical moment right now. This is probably going to be something that uh, folks will talk about for at least a few generations, and we'll look back and just go, can you remember when uh, that crazy virus just kind of shut down life? Is it fair to say that most of us felt or feel caught off guard, like a surprise? Think about getting T-boned and you never saw it coming. I wonder if someone had told you or me, us, 12 months ago that we were going to be right here where we are today. I wonder if we would have done anything differently. I wonder if we would have approached life any differently. I wonder if we would have been a little more thoughtful, careful, cautious, Prudent, I, you know, what would we have done if somebody would have said, you know, March 2020, it's going to melt down. You're going to be sitting in your house watching a sermon online <laughs> because you can't go to your church building. How would we have lived differently? Perhaps we would have stocked up on toilet paper. I don't know. Um, I came across a TED Talk this last week, and uh, it was Bill Gates. And uh, in his message, this was right, it was in 2015, right after the Ebola uh, virus did its thing. And uh, it's interesting, the title of his message was, The Next Outbreak, We're Not Ready. And in that message, he said to everybody, you know, we should learn some great lessons from our experience with Ebola and perhaps that will help us get ready for the next one. Well, here we are, five years later. And I have to ask the question, did we learn anything? Did we make any significant adjustments? Were we ready for this in the way that we could have been? It looks like Bill might have been onto something. And it seems like it's easier to fight a real and present danger that's right in our face than something that's out there somewhere that might happen someday and uh, we're just kind of told to, to mentally put ourselves there and imagine what that will be like. It, it's hard to fight that, but COVID-19 is real, isn't it? 
And it is very present. And it's very dangerous. If you go to some parts of the world, uh, they'll tell you about it. It's reminding us of just how vulnerable we really are. Even though we construct our lives in such a way as to avoid the feeling of vulnerability. We, we try to remove any idea that anything could ever threaten us. But something like this breaks in and it disrupts everything. Our global economy is really challenged right now. Our daily routines have, have been broken up and disrupted in ways that we never ever uh, expected. Our enemy is invisible and yet we're trying to fight it and we're all adjusting as individuals, as communities, and even as a nation. Austin Henderson, one of our elders, shared a verse, a couple of verses this week with the church just online to encourage us. And I thought, man, it was such a timely word for this disruption that we're in. It's Hebrews 10, 23, and 25. He read it out of the message, which uh, was just such an encouragement to me. I want to read that to you. It says, let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging and helping out. Not avoiding worshiping together as some, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. Wow, doesn't that sound relevant right now? Those encouraging words from Hebrews. I would say that moments like this are really a dress rehearsal for uh, an ultimate day of disruption that God has told us is coming. And our passage today is going to really help us think carefully about our readiness in light of that day. That's way out there. We don't know where it is, but it's coming. We're told it's coming. Listen to these words in 2 Peter 3.10. But the day of the Lord, that's that day of disruption that we're told again and again is on its way. It will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Listen, coronavirus doesn't begin to approach the disruption that this day is going to be like for all of us. Nothing will ever be the same for any of us after that day. And so we got to ask the question, are we ready? I think this passage is going to help us. It's going to help us think about our preparedness. We're picking up in uh, the section of Luke's gospel known as the travel narrative. It's chapter 9, verse 51 through 1927. And we've been in this now for a while, but Jesus is teaching. His disciples are on hand. He is surrounded by large and very unruly crowds. He's getting a lot of interactions, some questions, some challenges. He is certainly trying to uh, teach anyone who will listen. The emphasis of this whole season here, he's making his way to Jerusalem, but as he's doing that, he's teaching on traveling well, metaphorically speaking. And, and not traveling in peacetime, but traveling through enemy territory. He's saying, here's how you and I walk well when life is really hard and really confusing and really disruptive. 
Specifically in chapter 12, we look at a kind of an approach of faithful stewardship with one's life. We've looked at it from a lot of angles. Um, all of those messages are online, so you can go back and listen to them. But um, Jesus delivers several warnings. We might think about Bill Gates in 2015 after Ebola saying, get ready. So, so Jesus is doing that in chapter 12 and he's urging his disciples to avoid being lulled into a false sense of security. He calls kind of that, that condition or that state a, a number of things. Hypocrisy, people-pleasing, the outright denial of Christ, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, covetousness, presumption. He puts all of that under this umbrella of really living as if that day of disruption is never coming. He warns his disciples to beware of living that way. The faithful steward, by contrast, is vigilant and prepared. Those are two very important words this morning. Vigilant and prepared. Look at uh, chapter 12, verse 35. It says this. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come from the wedding feast. So that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Now as I read that very short statement, Jesus is beginning to, to offer this teaching around faithful stewardship. I thought... Doesn't this world feel like the master is away? I mean, just think about disease, the destruction that we see around us, the brokenness in our homes, the deception that just seems to be everywhere in all of our communication. Doesn't it feel like the master is away? Now somebody's going to say, well, wait a minute now, Jesus is, he's God and he's everywhere present all of the time. And yes, that's true. But it feels like he's away. Because if he were here, if he were here physically, wouldn't all that stuff be gone? Yes, it would. And when he returns, it will. He is away. And we're told to think about his return. We wouldn't be told to think about a return if he were already present in his fullest sense. Where he is ruling and uh, death and sin and the enemy are destroyed. So, while he is away, I think he said, here's the big headline, live ready for Christ's return. That's... That really is to be our posture. That's to be our approach to all of life. And he gives us three vivid images. The first is to stay dressed for action. The picture there literally was of a first century man who wore a tunic, an outer garment that would have been long, similar to a dress. And if he ever had to get going for something, like if he's going to work hard or fight hard or whatever, well, he would gather up his tunic, and he would kind of wrap it around and stuff it in his belt so that he could move quickly, so he could act violently if necessary. That's the picture 
that Jesus gives his disciples. Stay dressed, ready for action. Literally, gird up your loins and be ready to go. Today, the picture would have been like, roll up your sleeves. We're getting to work. That was the first thing, to be ready. Secondly, keep your lamps burning. So this would have been in the midst of nighttime. And uh, if your lamp isn't burning, then you have no ability to dispel darkness. Now, if you're waiting for your master to return, which is what he's going to get to next, there's no light posts around town. This is the first century. So how is your master going to find his way? He's going to need light. And you as a servant, you're to keep your lamp trimmed and ready. And as soon as you see him coming, you light it up. And you show him his way into his home. That's the picture again. Be ready. He gives us an illustration of these servants waiting for their master. And and it basically is be like servants awaiting their master's return. He's away at a wedding. They're not really sure when he's going to get back. But the last thing in the world that you want is for all of the servants to be out... When the master returns and he's knocking on windows and kicking on the door and he's just trying to wake somebody up to let him in. That's the last thing that you want. Jesus is saying a good servant is going to be ready at all times. Uh, one commentator said this, said this about uh, kind of tr- summarizing that. Labor with one eye toward heaven looking for Jesus' return. So what might motivate us to do this other than just sheer obligation? Um, He gives us uh, that in uh, beginning in verse 37. The, The headline is spiritual readiness leads to blessedness. Blessedness is our motivation. Look at verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third, which would have been in the dead of night, and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. So we have an assurance here that those servants who are awake, which is another way to say they're ready, They're going to be blessed. Now, how will they be blessed? This is actually the first blessing. We're going to come across another one here in a few verses. But just catch this. This is amazing to me. Think about who's teaching here. This is Jesus, God, the one who made everything. He's talking about his return. He's doing it metaphorically. But he's saying, listen, this metaphorical master, when he gets home, If his servants are ready, they open the door, come right on in, sir. What can we do for you? Here's what he's going to do. He's going to gird up his loins, just like he said for the servants to do. And and then he's going to turn around and serve them. That's the blessing. That really just ought to knock us over. That our creator, our savior... Our Redeemer, our Lord, he promises that when he returns, and he will, he's actually going to serve us. And you know what's going to happen? I I think 
at least this will be this way for me. I'm going to think of all the reasons why I don't deserve that. And I am going to be bowled over by the grace and goodness and mercy of God. That he would serve a guy like me. Now this isn't the first time it will ever happen. You guys remember what Jesus said when he was teaching his disciples about him coming? said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life a ransom for many, just for him to leave heaven, to take on flesh and dwell among us. He was serving us. He was doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. That's who he is, a servant. In terms of teaching his disciples, he told them, the greatest among you will be what? The servant of all. So this idea of service, that's just, that's a way of life for the Godhead. I would say Father, Son, and Spirit, they serve each other. And they call us to do the same so that we might display His goodness and glory here. So, spiritual readiness is about an eagerness to serve. And we can know that if that's our posture, if that's our approach, if we're ready in that way, we will be blessed. And the most wonderful blessing of all is going to be that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is going to invite us to his table and serve us in a way that I'm sure we have never experienced in this life. So if spiritual readiness leads to blessedness, then spiritual negligence leads to vulnerability. That's where Jesus goes next. Look at verse 39. He says, But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. Verse 40, You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not Expect So he shifts his illustration. This is illustration number two. The, the first one was Jesus presenting himself as the master who is returning. The disciples should have seen themselves as the servants who would have been making themselves ready and preparing for his arrival. Now he's telling us to be like a homeowner. And, and think about this. This doesn't ever happen, but have you ever had a thief write you a little note that just says, Hey, by the way, next Thursday at 6 p.m., I'm going to drop by and steal everything that you have. So be ready. I know thief does that, right? If you knew that, then you would just carry on with life, business as usual, and then you just make sure you showed up at the right time in the right place, and you'd be ready to get him when he arrived. Jesus says, in this illustration... I'm the thief, and I'm showing up at a time you'll never imagine. You won't expect it. You won't see it coming. And I want you to prepare in light of that, which means you're always ready. You're always attentive. You're always vigilant. You're living your life in such a way as you can respond to the arrival of the, quote, thief when he gets there. Now, I tried to think just practically about this. Spiritual readiness 
we can talk about it in, in very vague general terms, but how do I actually do that? And I, I came up with three things. Nothing complex here. Spiritual readiness, vigilance is listening to the voice of God, praying for the purposes of God, and watching for the activity of God. Listening for the voice of God, praying for the purposes of God, and watching for the activity of God. And I thought about listening in particular. Um, listen, if we are not in God's word, it's going to be really hard for us to hear his voice. Now, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, the Spirit is, is guiding us into all truth and convicting us of sin, doing a lot of activity. But what content do you think the Holy Spirit uses to speak to us? It's his word. So, uh, one just encouragement. So, we're in this time of social distancing and solitude. You got, lot, you got more time on your hands maybe than you've had in decades. So, here's an idea. There is a great Bible app called Dwell. And uh, Dwell is not your normal audio Bible app. Uh, it definitely reads the Bible to you, so you can, you can listen to it that way. But it's these great voices, and you can have music in the background. I mean, it's just lots of cool features. You will ha never have had a greater experience reading your Bible than just listening to that. So uh, download Dwell and start your, quote, listening reading plan. And Bible intake, get it in you. That is going to allow you to uh, be ready like never before. Now, Jesus creates some tension here, and we know that because Peter pipes up and asks a question. He says, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? Now, that question kind of strikes me as the student asking the teacher during a lecture, hey, is this going to be on the test? You know, where he's just <laughs> like, do I need to take notes? Do I actually need to remember this? Or is this just sort of kind of for enjoyment? Um, I'm assuming the teacher would say, yeah, you better take notes. And yeah, this is going to be on the test. But um, Jesus doesn't respond directly to Peter. He doesn't answer his question directly, but he gives him another illustration. This is in verse 42. The Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. I feel like this is where this kind of comes to a crescendo in terms of readiness. It's like Peter's like, hey, do I need to remember this? Is this important? How am I going to apply this? And it's like Jesus is saying, okay, Peter and everybody else, I just need you to ask yourself, are you ready or not? Are you ready or not for the return of the master? Now, let's think together about what a faithful and wise servant would be like. And then you can just know if you're ready. He's given them a practical picture, a practical illustration. Here is what it will look like if you're ready. A faithful and wise steward or manager, he would know the master's will and he would follow it explicitly. 
Like he would never just sort of freelance. Like, you know what? I mean, I know what the master wants, but I I think I've got some pretty good ideas. And I think I'm going to do that instead. Um, This reminded me of one of my first lessons. I was a a personal assistant of Dennis Rainey at uh, Family Life. Years, I was 23 years old. I thought I was way smarter than I definitely was at the time. And uh, I remember Dennis telling me, this was early, early on. We sat down and he said, okay, here's the deal. As you go throughout the day and you're faced with opportunities, decisions, problems to solve or whatever, I don't ever want you to do what you think you should do. I want you to learn to do what you think I would do. Now, that was a little hard on my pride, right? Because I got, I got great ideas. I'm a problem solver. I'm a smart guy. But what he was trying to teach me is you're not equipped yet to tackle all of those things. So let me be a model, a template for you. First, learn how I solve problems, address issues, and do all that. Learn that first. Then you'll be equipped to do that yourself. I feel like there's a similarity here with this master and servant. Rather than the servant thinking they know better than the master, their thought ought to be, I wonder what the master would do. And then I'm going to do that. And you know what? The more I do that, the longer I do that, the more that's a part of my life, I start doing what the master would do. And it seems like I'm the one that's coming up with it. I'm just so familiar with the way he does everything that he does. The blessing here for that kind of manager, that kind of servant, is that they are actually entrusted with greater responsibility, not less. That, that's motivating. Um, that picture of uh, the faithful servant in Matthew 25, what, what does the master say to the servant? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little, I'm going to give you more. That's the picture here. Jesus wants us as servants to have that in mind, to think I'm going to take whatever it is that God has given me. I'm not going to just do what I think I ought to do with it. I'm going to do with it what I think he wants done with it. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be persistent in that. And especially right here, I'm going to do it when nobody's looking, when nobody knows. I'm going to be faithful to follow the master's will regardless of who's watching. That kind of manager, they're going to be rewarded with greater responsibility in God's kingdom when the master returns. So here's a practical question if we're thinking about readiness. What would the master find you or me doing these days if he were to return? Like, would he see you so aligned with his purposes and his will and his priorities and his values that he would just go, wow, like, that's a faithful and wise manager. I think I'd like to give him more. Or would he see something different? 
for those of us that might be tempted to cut corners, Jesus actually speaks to uh, those as well. Verse uh, 45, he says, But if that servant, so in contrast to the faithful and wise one, if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful or unbelievers. And that servant who knew the master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will, reserve, will receive a light beating. There is a lot going on there, and I know that this could raise some questions about like eternal security, is this, is this servant a believer, an unbeliever? And I, I, I think there's some fairly simple solutions to whatever tension we might feel here. Let's just say, first of all, that presumption is always foolish and costly. Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, if we presume upon things that we can't control, that are kind of above our pay grade, so to speak, that's costly. And that's part of what this warning is about. If we think about this particular servant, this particular manager who's been entrusted with the master's responsibilities, you could say that all of humanity has been entrusted with at least the lives that they live, the resources that they have, the, the things that they are responsible for. We would say that everything comes from the Lord and so... He has entrusted it to them. So what are you doing with it? This servant here, this, uh, this servant has no interest in the master's will. And this servant has no interest in the master's return. And so in light of those things, it seems, it seems to make sense that he doesn't know the master and the master doesn't know him. And so for him to to get what he gets, that seems to be what he wanted all along. He just wanted his own way, his own stuff. He wanted to be in charge. Maybe with Peter's question in mind, maybe Jesus is coming back to Peter's question, he ends with this really powerful and sobering statement. He says, everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. The, the principle here, and this is what I think Jesus would have wanted Peter to get, it's that privilege brings about proportionate responsibility. So Peter's wondering, are we in a different category because we're leaders, we're, we're the 12, we're in charge or whatever. Jesus is saying, regardless of what has been entrusted to you, however much or however little, the big question is going to be, what are you doing with what you have? Are you using that for your purposes, for your gain, for your benefit? Or are you using it for something greater? Based on all that you have received. And on what you're doing with what has been entrusted to you. Are you ready or not?
It's a great window, a great insight into that. I want to invite you to, to do what we call the so what. And that's where we just, we ask God based on his word and what we've heard today, we just ask him to show us, is there anything in me that needs to change, needs to adjust? Um, is there anything I need to stop? Is there anything I need to start? Um, is there something in my character, um, my priorities? Right? We want to just invite God to meet us in here. And so this idea of being a faithful and wise steward and this question of am I ready or not, I'd say just take a minute and ask the Lord that question. If you're in relationship with him, I know for sure that the Holy Spirit is committed to showing you and me where we need to adjust. So take just a couple of minutes and ask the Lord to show you where you might need to adjust in light of this passage today. And I'll close us in prayer in just a moment. Lord, I imagine that a lot of us feel very disrupted, caught off guard. And perhaps even these few moments as we've been in your word, we realize that we really can't characterize the way we live as being ready. Our, our minds are so busy with so many other things that we truly live more distracted than devoted lives as Christ followers. And so, Lord, we ask for your help. I know that you just lavish grace on us in our broken places, and you are good to show us where we need to grow and change. And so whatever it is, Father, today that you have shown us where we need to make an adjustment so that we can be faithful and wise servants, managers of all that you've entrusted to us. Lord, help us to take those steps by grace, through faith, trusting in you, not depending upon ourselves. Lord, we need you. We need your help. We need your enablement. And Lord, use this time, this time of disruption to refine us, to renew us, to revive us, and then Lord, to use us to advance your kingdom until that beautiful, beautiful day when you do return. Thank you, Father. Pray that in Jesus' name.
Well, thank you for uh, joining with us this morning. Uh, I hope you've been encouraged uh, worshiping at a distance (laughs) with uh, this community of faith. And whether you're a part of fellowship or not, uh, seriously, it's it has been a blessing for us to, to be able to do this together because of what technology allows. Um, I want to encourage you to stay connected. Uh, send a text, make a call, get on a video conference, whatever. Connect with your community group. Do everything that you can to stay connected with uh, this community of faith. And uh, I, I want to actually finish our time going back to that Hebrews 10 passage. This is a great encouragement to us as we walk in these uh, next several weeks. So uh, just receive this, and then uh, we'll see you next Sunday. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He, that is God, always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Man, those are good words. Not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. God bless you. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.